last week. I did, so I don't Connie did. But I'm giving candy bars to people that. Here comes. Here's Lambert. Lambert. Oh, good catch. You're recording. Here comes Lambert. <laughs> yeah, we give out candy bars. Like it's kind of like the seals at the zoo. Just for good answers and, and good participation. All right. Uh, I think here gets situated. Yes. Oh, Kevin, you did too. Oh, it is your birthday. Kevin's birthday. Well, I don't know. I have a big one. Here you go, Kevin. Here it comes. Oh, now Connie caught it. And then welcome everybody online. We had six or eight people online, so it's cool. I've seen Carol and Dottie and Michael. Michael's on. Oh, is he? He says hi. Alright, uh, let me still get situated here. Oh, this is on hold. His uh, brother is Sae. Sae? Sae. Yeah, it's good to have you, Michael. I had a good friend from Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, yeah, he was a really good guy. He told me all about Lagos and some of the issues they have and such. But Alright, this is not mine. Alright, here we go. Uh, we are resuming, you know, every week we're, we're going through the mysteries here. You guys are familiar with that. And for some of you that haven't been here, we started uh, a month or two ago going through the mysteries given to the church. And what that means is uh, Paul, in our, our anchor verse or our series verse is there in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, there on the front of the handout, that Paul... This is one of the places where Paul tells us that we as believers have been given to be stewards of these mysteries that God has given us. And he gave us seven. And then we talk about what is a steward. And you know, we've kind of beat this one to death, but a steward is someone that takes care of God's things or, or, or some other people's things. When you take care of someone's kids, you're a steward of their kids. God has given us these Bible truths, these Bible doctrines that he wants us to be good stewards of. He wants us to learn them, teach others, and most importantly, apply these truths to our life. Um, And I've also talked about how each mystery, there's of the seven, there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible, but these seven times Paul says, this is a mystery, and he gives us a mystery. So these are the seven. Each mystery, I've likened it to an iceberg. You know, how you see a little bit of the iceberg above the ocean, but underneath there's a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of ice. And so then these mysteries are the same way. You know, it's a mystery. Okay, it's the rapture. But when we get studying these mysteries, we, we start getting into a whole lot of Bible teaching. And when a person learns all seven of these, you've really got a good handle on your Bible and able to you know, apply things to your life. So, like I put on Facebook, I've got the big dog candy bar. So far, we've talked about four mysteries, really, in detail. Yeah, diabetes waiting to happen. Does anyone want to give the class a quick summary of the four mysteries? They're listed right here on the first page. 
Mystery. Con, Connie almost had it last week. I don't know if you're up for it. All right, so Connie, what's the first one? Mystery of godliness. Jesus manifested in the flesh. That is correct. I need my little... No, don't call me little. No, no. All right, number two. Okay, the first mystery we talked about in in 1 Timothy 3.16 is like Connie said, that Jesus was manifest in the flesh as God in the flesh. He wasn't just a good guy. He wasn't just a good prophet. He manifested in the flesh. He was crucified, died, buried, and resurrected for for us. That's, That's the mystery. And by implementing in that in your life, you can live a godly life. Um, all right, mystery of Christ and the church. What is that mystery, all right, Connie? Gentiles, Gentiles are fellow heirs, church is the bride of Christ. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and if, online, if you couldn't hear her, the, the, the mystery of Christ and the church is that in the Old Testament there were Jews and there were Gentiles. When Jesus came and died for the church and made we're now believers, this is a new third thing. It's the church. We're not Jews. We're not Gentiles. We're not men. We're not women. We're the church. We're, we're the body of Christ. And that was a mystery that wasn't understood in the Old Testament. So anyway, you have to go back and listen to the recording or get the handout. And if anybody wants any of the past handouts, of course I've got them all. I actually mailed them to Carol a few days ago. So, alright, good Connie. Number three, the mystery of Christ in you. Yes, Connie. We are sealed. And what does that mean that we're sealed? We're, uh, we have, okay, you give like, um, when you the promissory note, yes. you buy a house. Yes. You lay down a little bit of money as a promissory that you're going to purchase it. Yes. So um, the Holy Spirit seals us by saying, you know, I have purchased you for Christ even while you're here on the earth. You are still Christ. You are we belong to God. That's right. I'm going to heaven. There you go. That's good. The mystery of Christ in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and left on people. Yes. With Christ purchasing us, he comes into us and permanently seals us, meaning that you can't lose it, which is kind of the key I was looking for. You can't lose your salvation because you are sealed. So we talked all about that when we did that one. All right. The mystery of Israel's restoration. Connie? The fullness of the Gentiles grafted into the promise of Israel. Yes. And that God is not done with Israel. Yes. All right. You are the winner. No, I won't. See, I'll give it to Teresa. I'll just put it up here. I can't go no further. All right. Thanks, Connie. She's been paying attention, so that's that's cool. So, yeah, that's the big dog candy bar. Now I need to get me another one. No, you betcha. Yeah. Thank you. So those are the four we've covered today. The next page on their handout is the little table. I gotta get a drinky that lists all seven that we're gonna talk about. Um, last week we went through, you know, I kind of talked about the the false teaching that each each of the mysteries, for example, the Christ in you. Each mystery, when you understand the 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 mystery and all the doctrine content. 
that uh, th- that will teach you true doctrine so you could recognize the false doctrine because there's a lot of false teaching out there so by knowing these mysteries I've likened it to a safety net we're like building a safety net to keep us safe so Rosie there Um, we talked about last week uh, that you know I did I did some polls and statistics that it's surprising how many people that are that say they're Christian, that are believers, don't uh, understand or believe these mysteries? Mostly that they don't believe them. They they don't think Jesus really resurrected. For example, um, most a lot of mainstream denominations, you know, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, and things like that, don't even think Jesus is coming back. So the whole concept of a rapture, they don't teach. They don't they don't even go there. So. Uh, these mysteries are a mystery to a lot of people, so it's it's really good that we we understand them. So, um, any questions so far? One thing I said last week that I want to reiterate too. Um, they're all important. All these mysteries are. Uh, this one's particularly important because we're all headed toward it. You know, like a freight train is what I said last week. We're all headed toward this event that we're going to talk about today. So uh, I really want to make sure we all kind of understand it. You may hear things you've never heard before, uh, which is just cool. Uh, so if you have any question about anything, you know, don't hesitate to, to ask because someone else may have the same question. So we're going to talk about the rapture today. We're, this is actually part two. We started it last week. And we didn't get very far. So I need to move on or I'm not going to get far again. But... Um, you know, and really what Teresa was talking about kind of hits the nail on the head with the importance of knowing. Or, or, or Paul gave us this mystery. God gave it to Paul. Paul gave it to us. God gave it to us to comfort us. This mystery is really revealed in a couple places in our Bible. And in both places, Paul really emphasizes, I'm telling you this mystery to comfort you, not to like give you cool information about some cool things that are going to happen. This is to comfort us, so we know what happens to our loved ones, uh, our children, our, our family that's passed on, and ourselves. So it's, in that respect, it's, that, that's the reason for this mystery is the comfort. All right, so uh, it, it's found, 1 Corinthians 15.51. So let's flip there real quick. And let's First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. And remember, the Corinthian church is like the Church of Vegas. It's a very carnal church. They've got a lot of issues and things they're they're working through. And he's kind of kind of telling them about this mystery here, just to just to straighten them out on some doctrine. Uh, fifteen fifty one. Um, okay. Let's see how much of this I'm going to read here. Yeah, okay, let's just also start in verse 51. 15? 1 Corinthians? 1 5 
BR 509. <laughs> yeah, I always remember that. The Hee Haw fans. Yeah. Hey, back home. Yeah, I love Hee Haw. It's good stuff, man. It's Saturday night. Was that named Junior? Junior Samples. Yeah. BR 549. All right, so 1 Corinthians 1551. Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this body, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible will have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sin? O grave, where is thy... I lost my place. Victory. Okay. So basically Paul is saying, we're not all going to die on our bodies. Okay, actually let me back up. Well, no, okay, I'll go there. We're not all going to die. There will be a day. There's an event coming. Any time now, hopefully. There's going to be a trumpet blast. You know, last week I had my horn. I didn't bring it this week to, to scare everybody. I was going to. I thought, yeah, I want to get in trouble. At, at some time there's going to be, you know, we'll be just going about our day. One of these days, hopefully soon, we'll be going about our day and we're going to hear a trumpet blast. And I, I believe we're going to hear our name. Jim Stovall, come up hither. We're going to hear our name called. You know, when the roll's called up yonder, I'll be there. That's where these hymns get this at. We will, the, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we'll join them in the clouds, and then the Lord Jesus will join us. Uh, in your handout, uh, the big fold-out timeline, I kind of tried to, to depict the event on this timeline here. Um, you know, basically this is a, a timeline of end-time events, so don't really pay attention to this lower left. This was the handout we did in Revelation where we talked about the seven churches and such, so we're not going to talk about that today. But you can see the little star, you are here. We're right at the cusp of this event happening. And when it does happen, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we would sort of like remain or meet him in the air. And, and like I said, our first... Okay, let me back up. There's so many things moving at one time. Um, and I've said this many times. When you were saved, when hopefully we all know the Lord here, when we accepted Christ as our Savior and get saved, your soul was saved and your spirit was quickened. Dead spirit became alive and your soul was saved and you received an operation without hands that cut your fleshy body from your soul. Your fleshy body, my fleshy body, is not saved. This body is, is going to be worm food someday. Um, the rapture is when, like Connie said, that's when God is, is taking back what he bought and giving me a glorified body to match my glorified soul. That's when I am redeemed holy, body, soul, and spirit. But right now my body's not redeemed. So that's the purpose for the rapture in, in that respect. Um, 
So now, so now let's look at the other passage where the rapture is explained in 1 Thessalonians 4. All right. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, Thessalonians, you know, I said this last week. I'll just say it again. In the book of Acts, Acts 17... Paul goes to Thessalonica and he's only there for two weeks and he gets run out of town, you know, like he usually does. But the two weeks he was there, uh, he, he, a lot of the Thessalonians got saved and he discipled them and he even taught them about this coming rapture and the end times, the man of sin, all that cool stuff. He, they got pretty deep pretty quick, which is neat. Well, Paul gets run out of town in Acts 17. And right after Paul leaves, a bunch of uh, false teaching, a bunch of heretics come in and start scaring the Thessalonians that they've missed this rapture that Paul talked to them about. All right? So Paul gets word of that and writes the book of 1 Thessalonians. This book is all about comforting these scared believers. The, the word comfort's in the book like six or seven times. So, how apropos in this time we are in with all the COVID and all the scary things going on that we're running scared, nothing helps us more than the truth. I mean, that, that comforts me big time, knowing the truth. Yeah. And this truth about the rapture is meant to comfort us. So let's, let's take a look at what Paul tells these guys. Alright, so we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord in verse 18 wherefore comfort one another with these words this is meant to comfort them and it's meant to comfort us just like Teresa was talking about it's a huge comfort to know where your loved ones are at you know, I lost my dad at nine years ago and this is just a huge comfort he was a believer so that's the that's why he's telling us about this mystery um little side note in verse 13 I've mentioned this a few times but Paul says I would not have you to be ignorant brethren he says that seven times so there's also seven, seven things we're not to be ignorant of which would be another study sometime but this is one of them this is a couple of them overlap so that's what I had drawn on here with the two lines that dead in Christ shall rise first we have a family reunion in the clouds Jesus meets us there and then we go on up to heaven, I call this upstairs. We go up into, we go through the judgment seat of Christ. The the bride marries. There's a wedding. A lot of good stuff happens upstairs. 
and then on the on the chart, meanwhile, downstairs on the earth is the Antichrist comes around and a lot of things happen on the earth that are bad and we'll, we're going to talk about that next week but that's, you don't want to be downstairs you want to be upstairs this caught up before we get the word rapture yeah yeah and that's a good point that's on the very next page on the handout a lot of a lot of folks don't believe in the rapture and I used to work with a guy that didn't believe in it and his argument was that the rapture is not in the Bible the word rapture Okay, well, neither are all these other words that we use, you know, Bible, Trinity, Divinity. So like Steve said, caught up, caught up, translation, come up hither. These are little phrases that mean the rapture, that you're, you're seized up and taken somewhere. And that's where I put the definition there. The, in the original languages, har, harpazo and rapier were some of the words used, seized by force. So, don't be caught up the, the word rapture in, in the Bible. It's just a pleasing caught up to be with the Lord. So, Good. yeah, that's the, uh, the thing there. All right, so then we kind of, we talked about 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Let me kind of reiterate. Because <clears throat> this, you know, like I said last week, we're, we're under the sea here. We're feeling this glacier, and there's got a lot of stuff down here. And it's kind of hard to do it in order, but... In the Bible, there's three raptures. There's three times when God takes a, a group of people and resurrects, gives them glorified bodies and takes them to heaven. Kevin, yes? I know where they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Educate us. The first one is uh, Abraham's bosom. That's where they were at. And we'll talk about that in a second. He, he raptured them. Mm-hmm. Right? He did, yes. You're right. That's rapture one. And then the second one was uh, his self. Well, that was part of the first one. We kind of looped, looped that together. And then the third will be the rest. Oh, no. The second's, the, the second's us yep. as the church. And then the third will be after the tribulation. That's right. That's three. All right. Here you go. That's exactly right. And then there's a table on the next page. Yeah, he got that one. Connie's. All right, so here's where we get this. Look look at 1 Corinthians 15 22. This is one of the places where this is laid out. We don't want to get too deep, don't want to lose anybody, but this this is kind of part of learning this deep stuff here. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 22. And 1 Corinthians 15 is the chapter on uh, the resurrections. And it talks all about how our bodies, uh, we're going to be resurrected, we're going to be given glorified bodies. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, he's actually given the order that people are going to get their new bodies. So 22 says... uh, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we're all going to be made alive in Christ. But every man in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, plural. Afterward, they that are Christ that is coming. And then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. And that, that's tribulation. So on, on your handout, I just made it simple. I busted out the three raptures. He likens them to a harvest. 
in other places in the, in, the, in the book. First rapture is Jesus and the Old Testament saints. The second rapture is us, the church. And the third rapture, like Kevin said, is the tribulation Jews. All right. Um, I don't know how deep we want to go into that. Last week we got into Abraham's bosom a tad. Um, and we talked about in the Old Testament, whenever the Old Testament saints died from, um, what's his name? First guy. First guy on the earth. Adam. When Adam died, from, from Adam all the way up to the time of Christ in the Old Testament, when those saints died, they their souls weren't able to go to heaven because Jesus hadn't died yet. They went, like Kevin said, they went to a place called Abraham's bosom, paradise. When Jesus died and paid the price, he was buried in the earth for three days. When he came up and resurrected, he emptied out the... Abraham's bosom, the paradise. You know, the thief said, "Today you're going to be with me in paradise. We're going to empty this place out." They empty it out, and they go up. Um, actually, I have a chart. Now yeah, I'm not going to go there. So they in the clouds or in heaven? They're in heaven. They're with the Lord now. They don't. Have, they don't have their glorified bodies yet. Oh man, sure it's here. Like most of the like the faith, the Hebrews. Sure. Uh, that's where they're listed, some of the saints. And, and I don't, don't get too bogged down in it. There's, there's a lot of scripture. And I put it in this table. I'm on page four, I believe. The three come up hither verses. Um, Ephesians 4 8 and 10 talk about this. And 1 Peter 3.19 talk about this, that when Jesus was in the earth... Do we want to go a little deeper on this? Is everybody okay with this? There's absolutely no response. (laughs) Thanks yourself to get through it all. Okay. Okay, let's just leave that for now then. That... The rapture, the first rapture is when Jesus went to Abraham's bosom and took the Old Testament saints up with him, emptied out paradise. Uh, and the Bible's pretty clear on what he did. Psalms 82, I think, is the message that he preached. I have to look that up. But anyway, all right, second rapture. Rapture number two is, is us when we go out. Um, we're called the harvest. And then rapture number three, like Kevin said, is, is the, the the Jews that go through the tribulation period. Um, we're going to get to some of that in a second. So I don't want to get too heavy in here. All right. The other names for our rapture, kind of on the middle of this page here. Our rapture is is the act where God is going to redeem our bodies. You know, like I said, our bodies weren't saved; our soul was. And there are a number of different uh, terms that he uses for this this rapture when we get our new glorified bodies. And I put a list of them there. And what has really helped me over the years is if you go into your Bible, you know, sometime this week or whenever, and take this list, like in Titus 2.13, the blessed hope, that's code word for the rapture. So if you wrote in your Bible, this is the rapture. Uh, the day of redemption is the rapture. 
the day of the Lord Jesus Christ is the rapture. And that shows up several times in the New Testament. And when you write that in your Bible and you're reading the passage and you say, oh, this is the rapture. We're not talking about something weird. This is, I know what this is. It'll help that little passage make sense. Um, one of my favorites, the day of Christ, is in Philippians 1.6. So flip over to Philippians 1.6. Philippians is a book of joy. How to have joy in our lives. And he makes a neat statement here that applies to all of us. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We've all heard that. But think about what that means, really. That the day of Jesus Christ is the rapture. So let's, let's say the rapture don't happen for a hundred years. The good things that Teresa's dad has done are still going to keep going on through Teresa, through her kids, through thing, people he met. All the good things he's going to get credit for a hundred years from now when it finally comes is because God began a good work in him. And he began a good work in all of us. And he's going to complete that work until the rapture. Even if you're not here the whole time, your prodigy will be here. Things that we started, like life issues that Steve started, you know, if he, something happens to Steve and he moves on or passes or something, that good work is going to just keep on going to all the people that he's influenced. Till the rapture. Yeah, Johnny? Kind of like in Hebrews 11, 13, when he says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So by so when I wrote the day of Jesus Christ is the rapture and that phrase shows up several times in the New Testament, it just helps me really apply that verse. Man, this is cool. This isn't just some day out there. It's the rapture. So anyway, um, you're exactly right on that. And uh, Thessalonians, I won't read that. Okay. Okay, uh, our rapture is a fulfillment of what Jesus told us in John 14. Remember at the Last Supper, before Jesus was getting ready to head out and, and, and be crucified, he sat down with them and he gave them that bridal story that we've talked about in here many times. How I go to prepare a place for you, and when I come back, I'm going to take you with me. The rapture is the fulfillment of that promise that he's going to come back and take us away. All right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. When will our rapture occur? And I said I was going to set, set, tell you when. I'll tell you exactly when. When the fullness of the Gentiles is reached. <laughs> yeah, I slipped out of that. Now, here, now here's what's cool. Here's how all this stuff goes together. And, uh, I don't want to get bogged down, but, you know, we've talked about the kingdom of... Good grief. Uh, we talked about the kingdom of God up here. Of uh, God. Alright, I don't know if you can see that well. But there's a kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms in the Bible. The kingdom of God and then the kingdom of heaven which is more on the earth. Yeah, that's the earth there. Uh 
of heaven. All right. <clears throat> the kingdom of God is a eternal kingdom that has has been around before the earth. It's it's always existed. The the subjects in this kingdom were angels, seraphims, cherubims, people, all of God's creation that chooses to be in this kingdom. Um we know the story. I don't have time to get into all the verses quite, but a third of the angels fell. We've all heard that. A third of the angels fell. Genesis 1 and 2, the, the gap. God has been working ever since to replenish the number, whatever that number is. So we know one third fell. We don't know what that is. It could be like six million billion things. Angels fell. He's been working every since to refill that number. We are bringing people into the kingdom of God, filling that back up every day. At some point in time, someone's going to open their Bible and pray and ask the Lord to be to, to come in and save them, and they will be the last one. That will be that is when the fullness of the Gentiles ends. And trumpet blows. We're done. We've got our number back. So that's when it'll happen. It's the fullness of the Gentiles. And the last Gentiles saved replenished the third of the angels of fell. Now obviously it's getting close. What's the date on that? They would be... I think it'll be spring. Me and Steve were talking about this last week. I think it'll be in the spring around Pentecost. It doesn't relate to our Bible too much, but the book of Enoch kind of mentions how many that was. The number? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Figures. All right. Here's that. Next page. I don't want this to get too deep either. So I'm gonna... All right. I said there's three raptures, and there are. There's three times when God takes a people group and takes them to heaven. That kind of aligns with, you know, God does everything by sevens. We know that. There's sevens of everything. Seven, 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 seven. Baptism, seven judgments. There are seven resurrections in our Bible. Um, That'd be a whole other study. But three of those resurrections actually are the rapture of, of people. So, like, if you look on this timeline at the bottom, the first resurrection is Jesus. The second resurrection was the Old Testament saints. Those two are are lumped together as the rapture number one. There's a little timeline makes sense there. I'm going to get too deep into it. But resurrection number three is described in Ephesians whenever a person gets saved, when your soul is quick or your spirit's quickened and you become saved, you are spiritually resurrected. The indication is, is that we are that there's another gem. There's another Sarah, there's another Teresa setting in heaven, a spiritual version of ourselves. Uh, that we are seated already with Christ. You know, and that's... I've always wanted to dive into that deeper, but that's about as deep as I got, but that's, that's pretty cool. And then one day our bodies will just kind of catch up, our bodies and souls. So anyway, that's number three. So if you're... Hopefully we're all had, have had resurrection number three. Resurre- resurrection number four is the one we're talking about, the rapture. The believers, when we go out, then you see the little sinister guy on the timeline. That's my antichrist symbol. I use him all the time. 
and uh, at the end of the Antichrist, at the end of the tribulation period, the, there's a rapture of the tribulation saints when they go out, and then the nation of Israel gets resurrected, and then number seven, the last resurrection is the unsaved dead at the great white throne. But I just I just put the seven on here so you see them. All right. Any questions on that? Just kind of because a little deeper, but those are the seven resurrections. Now, something to, uh, you know, there's a lot of resurrections in the Bible. I mean, there's probably ten or more where someone physically got resurrected, like Lazarus and uh, Elijah did a few, but he resurrected their bodies and they stayed on earth. These are resurrections where people, you know, go up to heaven. But, um, all right, I wanted to kind of mention something to clear some things up. In your handout, I think it's toward the back two pages. This is this is another truth that this un, un reveals. It's the handout titled Two Stages of the Second Coming. When Jesus came the first time, the first coming of Jesus, you know, Christmas time, that was actually in two phases. He came first privately to his family and his disciples. You know, they knew who he was. He taught them. He was with them. Uh, they knew who he was, and they worked with him. After a period of time, about halfway or so through his, his ministry, he went public with it. And that, that kind of explains why sometimes he said, don't tell anybody, and sometimes he says, do tell everybody, and you know, that kind of stuff. So he came privately to his family, and some period later, he went public so everybody could see him as the Messiah. The same principle is going to happen at the second coming of Christ because we're all waiting on the second coming. The second coming is in two pieces. This is a piece a lot of people miss. It's the rapture when he comes privately for us and then seven years later publicly when he comes to the world and we're with him. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, so that's back on our timeline here. You know, we, he comes privately for us when we meet him in the clouds and then publicly when we all come back with him at the second coming, at the Battle of Armageddon, whipping the Antichrist and all that stuff. That's part two of the second coming of Christ. And this table here just kind of shows the different we're not going to go through it, but the different events that, you know, first he comes for the believers, then he comes for everyone, the purpose, the locations are different. A lot of times in our Bibles, when it just talks about the day of the Lord, it's the second coming, there's two different phases of it. So it's just, it's just good to be familiar with that, to think about that. So the rapture is part of the second coming. Everybody cool there. I'm getting a little deep here. I'm going to try to pull it up. One distinction, Jim, I've heard is that uh, at the rapture, he comes for his saints. Mm-hmm. And at the second coming, he comes with his saints. Yep. It, it's kind of described that. He, he comes for his own and then he comes with his own. Yeah, exactly right. And that's what we talked about this last week. These aren't ants. 
<laughs> coming out of these clouds here. They look like ants. Uh, many times in the Old Testament, it talks about when the Lord comes back, He's with His saints. We are with Him. You have a horse. There's a there's a, a corral in, in heaven with your horse with your name on it that you will be on that will come back with Him and watch Him whip the Antichrist in our glorified bodies. So it's, it's all cool stuff. Obadiah has some things about that. Anyway, alright, so let's get to where we can apply some of this a little more. Fun fact, I'm on that page. I think it's page, I don't even know what page it is. Six. six. Alright, page six, the fun fact. This is true with anything. <coughs> Your behavior is based on what you believe. And I wanted to kind of show the different beliefs of the rapture that, that, that are out there that you're going to run against uh, in movies and books and commentators. You may have heard the term pre-tribulation rapture. Post-tribulation. The tribulation period is on your timeline. It's this period. It's the downstairs. After we go out, God begins dealing with Israel, with the Antichrist. This is called the tribulation period, time of Jacob's trouble. It's got a lot of names, where it's hell on earth, basically. Um, We believe, the Bible teaches, that we go out pre, before the tribulation period. A lot of churches and folks don't believe that, but we do. We believe that he's coming for the church before we talk about what that is. All right. Tribulation is when he pours out his wrath on the earth. And yes. And Romans says that we're saved from the wrath to come. Yes, and also in Second Thessalonians. If uh, yeah, just, just turn there real quick. I think it's Second Thessalonians. Uh, sorry, First Thessalonians. Yeah. Okay. First Thessalonians five. He's talking about the Lord coming back. Down verse 8. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, love, helmets. He's talking about the... All right, actually, let's go to verse 1, 5, 1. But the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need to write unto you, for you know perfectly that the day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. So it's coming. And then he talks about it a little bit. Now, verse 9, he said, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Many times in the Bible, it's the church is not appointed to wrath. And this goes along with the other mystery about the restoration of Israel, is why is there a tribulation period, and why the church has no part of it. It's not meant for us. We have to be pre-tribulation. We're not meant for wrath, and it's not for us. So... Yeah. That's that's the uh, pre, and then the mid people that that they can't make up their mind. They think maybe he's going to come in the middle of the tribulation. You know, that's and then the post that he's not going to come till after the tribulation period. Church is going to go through all this bad stuff, and then he's coming. And then there's no rapture. And that's one of the statistics. Forty percent of Christians say that he's not coming back at all. That's just sad. So. Alright, any questions on any of that? Tribulation, we're going out, the church is going out before. How would we identify as a Christian? 
Come again now? Why would we identify as a Christian if we didn't think he was coming back? Well, did they think when you die, you either go to heaven or hell? They, I think the problem, yeah, the problem is, yeah, you're right, Angie. It's, it's, it's basically, it, it, it comes in with the whole thing with the mysteries. When you don't understand how the Bible is rightly divided, for instance, when you go to Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, and then the disciples ask Jesus, what's the sign of your coming? You know, and he, he spends a couple chapters describing events before he comes, and he's describing the second coming, and he's describing the tribulation period to these guys, because he's describing the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. not the kingdom of God. So by, ha- by having a good handle on the restoration of Israel, the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, the purpose of the tribulation, you can discern and divide correctly that we don't need to endure to the end to be saved. That's a tribulation passage. You know, all that stuff about in Matthew 24 and 5 that we're to be doing doesn't directly apply to us. I don't know, it's... I don't want to get too deep into that, but that's... That's what that is. So it's by by not rightly dividing, it's easy to get these passages confused, and that's why I, I tried to say there's two phases to the coming: the rapture privately to us, and the day of the Lord, the second time, and the things that go on in the middle, or the tribulation. I don't know. Is that copacetic? An example of this, this is one of my favorites, is Enoch. You guys have probably heard of Enoch. Back in Genesis 5. Let's flip back here. This is kind of cool. He does. There are so many, there's a lot of examples in our Old Testament of this teaching about the church and the tribulation and, and, and the rapture and all this. And this is one of them. It's an easy one to see because we're all familiar with the Noah... The story of Noah and all that. All right, so look at Genesis 5. This is before Noah. This is an example of someone that changes their belief or changes their behavior once their beliefs change. So I look at verse 22. Um, and Enoch, okay, well, verse 21. And Enoch lived 65 years. And then he had, he begat Methuselah. So, 65-year-old man has Methuselah. Verse 22. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. Alright, here's some key things. The, word, the name Methuselah means that when, judge, when this boy is gone, when I'm gone, judgment will come. Enoch got some information from God about a coming judgment, got a message, named his boy Methuselah, that when he's gone, judgment's coming, and began walking with God. Just like us, when we hear the gospel, we begin walking with God because we get the message that judgment's coming. Same thing. When you do the math, and I've done it, I've got stuff wrote out here in my Bible, Methuselah ends up living. Does anyone remember about Methuselah? The longest living dude in the Bible. 969 years. 
he dies like the week the flood starts his name was a prophecy in itself of the coming judgment the flood so he, he goes out and Enoch the guy that named him his dad gets taken up so if you look down uh, yeah verse 24 Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him he is raptured out before that judgment comes because he's walking with God was it 600 years before yeah he was before so anyway that's pretty cool that Methuselah and being the longest I think God used him as the longest living guy to show the long suffering of God that he's not willing that any should perish when he tells us the judgment's coming He's given us all the time that he can so we can walk with him and avoid it. So that's, I like that little example. That's good. And and so we have the same thing. We all know, we can all see the times. And this COVID thing is just going wild. And we all, everybody's freaking out now that this is the end times. And and it is. Um, But we shouldn't be afraid. We should be comforted by it. We know what's going to happen. We've already seen you know, the, the play, uh, the script. Um, so anyway, we should be uh, comforted by that. All right, so, got my big, my big smiley face guy. What happens if someone misses the rapture? Does anyone know offhand? Like, Kevin, you hit it last week. All right, here's the deal. For the Christian, if you miss the rapture and you're a Christian, you're not going to miss it. So that's a mute point. Yeah, yeah, I'll be teaching heresy up here. Uh, Ephesians four thirty. Let's just flip over here because that way we can all be comforted that we're, we've got it. If you know the Lord and you've been sealed, like Connie said, then you are here in Ephesians four thirty. Ephesians 4.30. He's telling folks how to live and how to walk with God. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, which is the rapture. That phrase is used many times. Ye are sealed until that day. So if you know him, you're going out. You're going up. Now, if you're not a Christian... That's in 2 Thessalonians 2.10. So let's look at that. This is where, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the Left Behind movies with Kirk, Kirk, I always forget his name, Cameron. This is where they go way off base. This is where they uh, they just just come unraveled here. They don't quite get it. Alright, so 2 Thessalonians... Chapter 2, verse 10. Alright, so Paul's telling them about this coming man of sin. The Antichrist is going to come. He's going to do wicked things. It's going to get bad on the earth. Um, but he's talking, talking about both events here. Um, verse 10. And with all deceivableness, yeah, the deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish... Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion 
that they should believe a lie. This is also referenced a couple times in Ezekiel and uh, the Psalms. We in this, especially we in this room, we have heard the gospel. We have held the truth. We know the truth of, of righteousness. We know how to have a relationship with God. If, and, and most of us do, and we, hopefully we all do. If you're a person that has heard a good presentation of the gospel, and you say, nah, it's not for me. I don't want any part of it. I'm not, I'm not doing it. When the rapture occurs... God will give you the lie that you wanted to believe. And they, these people will, will be told something. I think it has something to do with UFOs. Um, but that's, that's a whole other thing. But they will be given a lie here on the earth to believe, like the reason all of a sudden there's a million people missing. All the kids are gone. And all these people that go to church, half of them are gone. So they'll be given a lie to believe. And they have ba- the Holy Spirit has left the building. They are not, salvation, the way we know it, is not available in the tribulation period. Uh, Kirk Cameron and those guys got it a little wrong because they go around preaching the gospel during the tribulation, and that's not what it is. The tribulation period, they go back to Old Testament Judaism. It's the Old Testament again. So they're not saved by faith through grace like we are. So they're given a lie to believe, and they believe it, and they go on their way. So, you don't want to be that guy. Um, believers are sealed. Kind of below the little smiley face there. Alright. This is another neat one. Let's go to 1 John 2.28. So, knowing all of this, how do we live today? Alright. 1 John 2.28. He tells us. There's, there's many times we see this. 1 John 2.28. John is encouraging us in verse 228 and now little children abide in him you know walk with God that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming God wants us excited to see him when our loved ones go away on a trip we are excited to see him when they come back he doesn't want us ashamed he doesn't like I said last week he doesn't want to you don't want to be having a beer in your hand when he comes back. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I, well, I told that story last week. But, you know, we, we are to be about his business every day. And, and we should have this in the forefront of our mind every day. That today could be the day. You know, I should blow my horn, scare everybody. But it could be today. So if it was today and the Lord took us out, and, and this afternoon, we're standing before the Lord Jesus, giving an account for our life. Are we ashamed? Or are we confident? You know, are we, are we smiling? Or are we ashamed? You know, and that's, that's heavy. Um, but it's, it's something I try to train myself to think of that thought every day. So then, Paul kind of comforts them toward the end of the book in 1 Thessalonians. Tells them to be ready. Uh, talks more about comfort. Uh, he really tells them they need to give their life to Jesus, ask forgiveness for your sins, because live like you're going to meet him. You know, right now there's a hurricane bearing down on Florida. People are down there getting ready. We should be doing the same thing. Judgment is coming. Amos 3.7 tells us that God doesn't do anything that he doesn't tell us ahead of time. He has told you he's coming. He's told me, Jim, I'm coming for you. Get ready. So we need to live like, like that every day. Um... 
All right, so that's the rapture. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to hurry to get done with this. Hope it wasn't too confusing. Can anyone say? Can, can anyone give us a definition again? What is the rapture? What's the rapture? Calling away of Christians. Calling away of Christians. That's when we receive our new bodies. Go to meet him, meet our loved ones. When is it? When's the rapture? Yes, or woman. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yes, when Donald Trump calls us home. Uh, all right. I don't want to be at that meeting. Yeah, all right. Now, next week, you know, I told you guys the last three mysteries are, the, are cool. Next week, uh, we talk about the Antichrist. There is more in our Bible about the the devil other than the Lord Jesus. He's like the next guy that there's the most about. There is a ton of information about the devil that is not really taught today. You know, the music he likes, the things he does, the clothes he wears, whether or not he likes women, all kinds of stuff. And we're going to talk about that next week. So that'll be the mystery of iniquity. So hope you can watch that. Yeah. Um, any other questions? All right, Kevin, you care to close us out? Sure. Thank you, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, for allowing us to meet here together this morning. You say we're going to meet here in this day, love. Just know that uh, you're always welcome to come sit with us and sit with us, Lord. I just ask that we take away from this time uh, what you want and just leave the rest behind for someone else. I just, uh, you know, want to ask that all of our leaders have the, the wisdom and the discernment that they need to to get us through this time and to uh, make the right decisions uh, based upon our health and welfare with the COVID thing. And, and I just uh, ask that, uh, you know, those in uh, other countries that, that face all the persecution that uh, we don't get to see, I, I ask that they're comforted and that they, they continue to walk their walk and, and to complete our race race and uh, to comfort Teresa in this time of need just uh, you know allow this to to glorify you Lord and and I pray these things in Jesus precious name Amen 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 There will be a lot of people There will be a lot of people that will happen to you it almost happened to me I know but it was